Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. What's up? What's up? What's up, Northeast? How y'all doing this morning? Y'all out there? Jeez. What's up? How y'all doing? I need, okay, I see y'all. Y'all kind of sleepy still. I need to pay y'all a compliment. Y'all looking good this morning. Yeah. All multi-generational and whatnot. I see you. I see you, Northeast. Okay, here we go. Let's wake up a little bit. Where my 80s babies at? Yeah, come on, 80s. All right, where my 90s babies at? Yeah, 90s. All right, where my 2000s babies at? All right, all right, all right. Hey, hey, y'all gonna learn something new today. How about that? Y'all excited? 2000s? Hey, and, and get this, for the first time ever, all right, the 80s and 90s babies have something to teach you, pre-80s babies. Y'all ready for this? Y'all excited about this? All right, for my 80s and 90s babies, tell me, do y'all remember this? Oh. Yes. Yes. It is the healthy food pyramid. All right, so in the early, in the early 90s, excuse me, the United States Department of Agriculture, or the USDA, created this little a pyramid here, right? And what they wanted to do, they wanted to help adults eat a healthy diet. And their premise was simple, right? That by eating a balanced diet from these different categories, it would lead to good health and long life. So let's examine this thing, all right? Y'all ready? Let's start at the bottom, all right? So they suggest at the foundation of our pyramid, grains, all right? So we got some bread, some pasta, we got pretzels and some waffles, all right? And how often did they recommend that we eat this bottom pyramid? They recommended that we eat grains six to 11 times per day. Woo! The 90s, right? What a time. Y'all love the 90s. All right, what they say about fruits and vegetables? They said fruits and vegetables, two to five servings per day. That's good. Meats and dairies, two to three. That's good. And on occasion, you get some candy. This is what the United States government considered a balanced diet. Yikes, right? But good news, they don't teach this in schools anymore, right? But even though this is kind of funny, y'all, the concept is still important, right? The concept of a balanced diet is actually extremely important, even necessary, right? It is helpful for us to know which foods to consume, which foods to avoid, and which foods to consume in moderation. And y'all, even though this was proven to be ineffective, there is something essential for human beings about eating a balanced diet. And we're not here to talk about food this morning, so what are we here to talk about? Y'all, this is not only important from a physical aspect, it is essential for our spiritual health. 
So today, Jesus is going to introduce us into a type of spiritual nourishment. A nourishment, I would argue, we as a church, as a people, do not consume enough of. He will speak to his disciples about a bread they know nothing about. So could it be that our joy in Christ, our experience of him, our spiritual health in general, could be lacking to a spiritually unbalanced diet? Is anyone else often hungry for God but longing for more? Could it be that we are missing out on an entire category of our spiritual food pyramid? Today, Jesus is going to tell us that his mission to fill the earth with worshipers by the proclamation of God's salvation for others is food to him. It's food. In essence, we will learn that the mission is a meal. So somebody say it with me. The mission is a meal. The mission is a meal. I pray y'all will believe that by the time we're through. Let's pray. Oh God, we need you now. We just sang over and over and over again, glorify your name, glorify your name, glorify your name. And that does not end when we open your word, it begins. Oh God, would you glorify your name? Here now. Help me, oh God, to fade to the background. Would you step forward? Would you proclaim the beauty of your gospel and the beauty of the way that you seek to satisfy us? God, we love you. We pray all this in your perfect name, Jesus. Amen. So here we go. All right, last week we stopped at the woman at the well, meeting with Jesus and going to tell the townspeople. Right, so let me just quickly recap, right? Jesus is dragging his disciples through Samaria, a region that Jews avoided at all costs, and he meets this woman at a well. This woman, by all accounts, is an outcast. She's there in the heat of the day because of her sin. She's seeking to avoid the villagers, and she is a Samaritan. All things that Jews avoided. And just in case y'all were... Here last week, we need to make clear that the Jews and the Samaritans really hated each other. Like, they really, really hated each other. The Jews would destroy the Samaritan temple, and it got real petty because they retaliated by spreading dead man's bones all over the Jewish temple. And so we have this, like, decade-long feud, and basically they just wanted all to smoke with one another. And so they stop at this well, Jesus and his disciples— And they're hungry, so the disciples go into town for some groceries. And they come back, and Jesus is talking to her. And the text says they were amazed. Who is Jesus talking to? He shouldn't be talking to her. They shouldn't have been amazed, though, should they? They were nobodies in their own right, sinners in their own right, fishermen, zealots, tax collectors. Oh, y'all, that's another sermon for another day. What we need to see, though, is this woman. She was a partial Jew, second-class citizen, morally questionable, and an outcast. She was at the well in the heat of the day to avoid the scrutiny of those who looked upon her. But then she met Jesus. He did not despise her like the people of the town. 
And this so impacted her that she couldn't help but go and tell others. Look at her response. After encountering Jesus, John tells us she left her jar, goes to the town and says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Everything changed for her that day. Her experience with Jesus compelled her to go to the very people she had been seeking to avoid for years. She still had questions, right? Could this be the Messiah? She wasn't sure. But here's what she was sure of. She was sure that this man saw everything that she ever did. And she was sure that those eyes that pierced through her very soul were still full of love. So she goes to the town. And as a result, verse 30 tells us, The people of the town left their town and made their way to Jesus. What on earth could she have said to them? Like, how does she go from Mr. Still Your Man to Billy Graham? (laughs) Like, what was her secret? And this is where our story is going to pick up today. So get this. All right, we have two scenes, right? So now she's in town telling the people about Jesus, and we're flashing over to Jesus and his disciples. This is where our story picks up. She's in town telling her her story, and the disciples arrive back at Jesus, right? They had gone to get him food, and when they left Jesus, they left him hungry at a well, and so their expectation is, as they pull back up on him, he will be eager and excited to eat. But they were in for a surprise. Verse 31 says, In the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. Like, we've been going all day long. We went into town to get you food. The woman isn't even here yet. There's time. Please eat. Jesus drops this bomb. He says, I have food to eat that you don't know about. And so they're wondering, like, did the woman have bread in her pocket? Right? Did she share her midday snack with Jesus? They asked literally, could someone have brought him something to eat? And just look at the distinction between their concerns, right? The disciples' primary concern in this moment is finding fuel for their bodies. But Jesus would pause, take a moment, and teach them how to self-feed their souls. He refused to brush past the need that they could not see in the moment by accepting their bread. Instead, he desired to teach them about spiritual food. So he says in verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And here we get to it, right? Where we've been leading all morning, Jesus caused the mission food. So somebody say it with me again. The meal, the mission, the mission is a meal, right? He calls obedience to his father the very substance that fills him. He likens his desire to encounter this woman with the most foundational and fundamental of all human experiences. Right? Food. Eating. As human beings, we know there's nothing like a first bite of something delicious, right? Nothing like eating something that brings us comfort and familiarity in every culture, in every place since the beginning of time, people have gathered around food. 
And Jesus says that the physical longing he had prior to this interaction has now been satisfied with the spiritual substance of meeting this woman in obedience to his father. Do you see now why he said in verse four, he had to go through Samaria. He had a divinely appointed time with a needy woman that he would not miss. Awaiting him there was joy and substance and satisfaction and delight. And and here's something we also need to see, right? Like this obedience here is not primarily morality. It is at its foundation missional. Hear me, morality is important, but it was not the meal of the moment. This substance that Jesus was eating was the mission. His satisfaction was not found in the do's and don'ts of our religion. His satisfaction in this moment was going to the outcast of outcasts with the gospel. Not the food of spiritual disciplines, even though Jesus had quiet times of epic proportions. Instead, he enjoyed a balanced diet and he knew that the mission was a meal as well. His lunch after a long journey was to go to the most broken person among the broken people. Tell her that he saw her. Tell her that she had dignity and tell her that he thought she was worth saving. And here's the good news, y'all, because there's some of us in here who are thinking that we're too far gone, but Jesus still sees you. You know that? Like he still loves you. Running to you delights his very soul. Giving you life brings him joy. He calls it food. And this is the thing. If we receive this life from Jesus, this forgiveness, this grace, then we can also share in this meal, right? For the food of this mission is not scarce. It is not a scarce meal. Jesus is going to liken it to an entire harvest. So let's pick up in verse 35. He says, don't you say there are still four months And then comes the harvest. Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes. Look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. Essentially, he says, the food that I just received by telling this woman about my kingdom can be yours in abundance. And what I started with this woman at the well would soon become an entire village. Food at the well, harvest in the people. He's like, this interaction, it's just a loaf. It's just a taste. There's people coming. And so get this, y'all. Here's the good news for us. God doesn't just make divine intentional appointments for Jesus, right? Like this was not a special occasion or a one-off event. Jesus's point here is that there are many divinely appointed occasions for us to tell people about the one who has told us everything we've ever done and still loved us. And get this, he says it will be nourishment to our souls. He calls it food. Oh, saints, God has set aside good works for you to do. That's what scripture tells us. He has planned to call many to himself And he wants to use you to do it for his glory and for your good. Because the mission is a meal to us. To understand what Jesus is saying here, we must understand the culture of the day, 
right? This is a deep metaphor. We're dealing here with an agrarian society. The harvest meant everything to these people, right? A good harvest would mean provision for the entire year. A good harvest would mean joy and celebration, life and bounty. The harvest was everything. It was what they literally revolved their lives around and built their lives upon. When he says, don't you say there are four months and then comes a harvest? He's quoting this common phrase that the people used to say to one another. Like it was their way of looking forward. It was their way of counting down to celebration. It was their most wonderful time of the year. And just as Jesus has exalted spiritual food above physical bread, he is now highlighting the superiority of our spiritual harvest above the thing that they once built everything around. He says, open your eyes, look at the fields, because they are ready for harvest. Can you not imagine in this story the people from Samaria coming up the hill to Jesus and him pointing and saying, there is a harvest there. Brothers, my food you can have also. And let's just quickly look at all the satisfaction that is promised to us in verses 36 through 38. He says the reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life. So that the reaper, so that the sower and the reaper can rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap what you did not labor for. Others have labored for, and you have benefited from their labor. These wages, this fruit, this joy, this benefit, they are not the joy of our own salvation. Do you see that? It is instead the joy of proclaiming the kingdom coming and the delight of the salvation of others. Oh, saints, do you hear the joy of this harvest? Do you believe that it is yours to be had if you would only reach out and touch it and grab it? This is the better harvest. Cease building your lives around physical sowing and reaping. Stop living for your physical bread alone. Stop existing for physical pleasures and physical provision. The harvest of our material world is temporary and fading, but the harvest of Jesus, it can be yours. It can be yours in abundance. It will nourish every part of you, so hear this. The mission is not a scarce meal. It is food for you in abundance. It is a harvest. So let me ask you again, hungry Christian. Do you find yourselves longing for more of God? Dissatisfied with the distance? Is your yearning outpacing your experience? Maybe, just maybe, saints, it's due to an imbalanced diet. Maybe you need to eat more mission. If you're reading your Bible, setting aside time to pray in the morning and by all accounts are walking with the Lord, but you still want more, hear me. There is food yet to be had. Y'all, the mission is a meal. So let me help us, right? Let's put some handlebars to this with some truths that we must remember to help us believe that this mission is a meal. 
So truth number one, we're going to go five of them. Truth number one, we've been talking about it all morning. You need to remember that the mission is a mill. Don't walk out of here and forget that, right? Like the mission, God's plan to fill the world with worshipers through the proclaiming of his salvation is food to you. And you might ask, okay, right, like, maybe, right? Like, we know, of course, it's going to be food to Jesus. Jesus is God. But how can we know that this will actually work for us? Saints, we can know that the mission will bring us joy, too, because it brought joy to the woman at the well. We can know that what was food to Jesus will be food to us because it became drink to her, therefore she left her jar. The woman at the well is evidence that the mission really does satisfy us, that our hunger really can be satisfied and our thirst really can be quenched. Like, do you think it was out of obligation that this woman went to the villagers who hated her? Up, uh, Jesus saw everything about me, so I guess I'll go now. No, it was for the sake of her own joy. She was overwhelmed that Jesus saw her and loved her, and it delighted her to tell others about this Jesus. Brothers and sisters, this is the point. The mission is satisfying to all who have been loved despite their sin. So do you know the grace of our God? If so, the mission will be a meal to you. Truth number two, we must remember to leave our jar. How does this strike you that her encounter with Jesus instantaneously changed all of her priorities? She abandoned her very agenda for the day, right? Like fetch the water? Nope. Clean the house? Maybe tomorrow. Cook dinner? Eh. Share the gospel with the entire village? Check mark. What did she get done that day? The only thing that mattered. Her instinct after Jesus was to change what was important to her. What was initially important, y'all, became an inconvenience in her newfound purpose. She had more food to pursue. She had something else she was after. Her drink was now to do the will of him who sent her just like Jesus. It became her sustenance and her life. So let me ask you, <clears throat> what jars are keeping you from this feast? Oh, we about to go there. What's keeping you from drinking deeply of Jesus? Is it your preference to eat dinner with just your family members? Is it your perceived limitations? Is it the excessive indulgence in entertainment? Is it your jam-packed schedule that you say you can't remove anything from? What is it? Saints, don't love your family to the exclusion of the mission. You'll go hungry. Trust God with your limitations. What would it look like for you to turn off the TV and put down your phone and clear your schedule and leave your jar? Maybe, just maybe you're not feeling fulfilled in life because the things that you're consuming were never meant to fill you. So 
If you've been chewing on jars, hoping to be satisfied, here's a public service announcement. Jars are not food. Every day, you go places with lost people everywhere. The harvest is plentiful. Leave your jars and feast. Saints, are you hungry? Are you hungry? Are you hungry? There's food. Truth number three. Remember that you're only sharing what you love. Do you love him? Do you love Jesus? Do you love your salvation? Do you love his glory? If yes, share it. Right? It's simple, but being a human being means you love sharing the things you love. You know it to be true. See me, I have this thing about movies, right? I have this thing about movies. My, all my joy in movies comes from seeking to identify what's going to happen before it happens. That's it. That's the only thing I want to do. If I figure a movie out too fast, I might turn it off, right? And so this means I have this general rule, right? I only watch movies one time in general, right? I don't need to see it again once I know what's going to happen, but here's my exception. My exception to the rule is I will watch a movie that I enjoy with someone who's never seen it. Why is that? Because we love sharing what we love. That's why my wife loves talking to me about plants, and my son loves talking to me about Paw Patrol, and Pastor Richard loves talking to me about Texas. <laughs> we share what we love. C.S. Lewis says it this way. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. So then I ask you again, do you enjoy God? Do you delight in him? If so, the mission can be a meal to you. Like if it gives you joy, stay with me now, to talk about, then listen to, then talk about listening to the midnight albums at a listening party. Oh, that went over so, so many of y'all's head. Where's my group at? Where's my Swifties? Ain't no Swifties? Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. How much more life should you get from telling people about the one who told you everything? If it brings you joys to talk to strangers about your favorite hobby, how much more joy should it bring you to tell strangers about living water? If it strengthens and replenishes you to tell others how the stock market is up, you will mount up on wings of eagles when you tell people that Jesus got up out of the grave. Come on, y'all, like, do you love him? If you love him, then you better tell somebody, because it will nourish your soul. Y'all, David knew this to be true, right? He feasted on the mission. Hear his satisfaction and delight. In Psalm 96, he says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the peoples. Do y'all think David was satisfied? I guarantee you he was. And we can trust that the mission will be a meal to us because we are designed to share what we love. Truth number four, we must remember that the mission is where we experience 
Jesus. You want to be close to Jesus? Go on mission. As I mentioned earlier today, right, like my wife loves plants. So on her Sabbath, she may go to a nursery and just walk the halls and look at plants. And if I want to be close to her on that day, it would be advantageous for me to go to the nursery. My mama loves to shop, right? And so if on a particular day I want to be where she is, it would be advantageous of me to go to the store she goes to. And so y'all get this. It would be silly for me to sit on my couch at home and lament our distance. So just like you'll find my mama at Marshall's and my wife at a nursery, you're going to find Jesus on the mission. Matthew 28 is such a common text, but y'all, it is so rich. It says, verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. Y'all, Jesus is still currently on a mission. He is still calling people to himself. His bread is still the salvation of the saints. And if you want to be where he is, you can not only wake up early in the morning, open your Bible, close it, and hope to be near him. Are y'all with me? There is more food to be had. If you want to be with him, you need to go where he has committed himself to be. Consider this, that he loves your neighbor. He wants you to go to them because he's already there. And when you go to him, you'll be close to him. He loves the outcast. And when you seek them out, behold, he will be with you always. Francis Chan says it like this. Jesus was not just giving us his spirit so that we can merely feel him. Like some kind of divine teddy bear, he gave us the spirit and his power so that we could be his witnesses. And he accompanies us not so that we can have happy families, but so we can make disciples. So if you want to feast on Jesus, we have to go where he is. Four pivotal truths, all for our joy in the mission. But y'all, number five may be the most significant of them all. Jesus says earlier, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So truth number five, remember that Jesus has finished the work. We pick up in verse 39. We didn't leave it off. It says, now many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of what the woman said. When she testified, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and they stayed there two days. Hear this. Many more believed because of what he said. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves, and we know this really is the Savior of the world. Y'all, I need y'all to see this. The woman told her story, but it was Jesus who saved All she did was make an introduction. Jesus carried it across the finish line. So get this, Jesus does not need you to save anyone. 
Just make an introduction. They said to the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said to us. We have now heard it for ourselves. And their conclusion, this really is the savior of the world. Can you imagine the joy of this woman, how her soul feasted in this harvest as she delighted on their collective worship of the one who had told her everything that she had ever done and still loved her? Y'all, there are people that you interact with every day that need Jesus. What would happen if you started seeking them out? Seeking them out for the sake of your joy in the mission. How many more people would you pray for if you walked intentionally? How many more people would you share with if you were looking for joy? How much more satisfaction would you have in Jesus? And here's the thing. Jesus has done everything necessary for their salvation. You just have to make an introduction. So the invitation from Jesus is for us to live with expectancy expectancy that Jesus is still calling the lost to himself and still looking to save. And our joy is that he will do it through us. Do you see the kindness of our Savior? How much he loves us? Not only that he would save us, but then he would allow us to experience his joy in the salvation of others. And y'all, this was not cheap for him to purchase on our behalf. We talked about earlier how we are reaping what we have not sown because it was sown by our Savior in blood. This was not cheap. How can the deeds of a sinful woman be forgiven by a holy God? How can the sins that we have accumulated and acquired be forgiven? We are broken. We are sinful. Scripture tells us that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So for the joy that was set before him, he took on the sins of this woman with five husbands. And for the joy that was set before him, he took on the sins of the men that she had been with in the town who would come to believe. And for the joy that was set before him, he took on your sins and my sins so that we could know our living Savior, so that we could be close to God again. Jesus has finished the work Will you make introductions. He finished the work by dragging our sin with him to the cross and nailing it there because he was compelled by his love for the outcast. But y'all, y'all know that won't the end of the story, right? Jesus didn't finish the work by hanging on the cross. He finished the work by getting out of the grave. And just three days later, He got out of the grave so that you and you and you could come on mission with him. And so that you and you and you could one day be with him in eternity forever. So will you come, saints? Will you share? Will you feast? Jesus has much for us. The mission can be a meal for you. If you will only pursue him. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your grace and your kindness, for the multifaceted ways that you pursue us and love us and gift us with grace. 
Oh God, would you help us to cling to and believe in when we are longing for more of you, that there is food out there for us to experience. There is a meal, a feast, a harvest of mission. So God, would you please help us to experience it? Help us to delight in it. Help us to know it. Oh God, we love you and we delight in you. We pray all this in your perfect name, Jesus. Amen.